is Faith Revisited. Welcome to the podcast. On Faith Revisited, we'll talk about our own church as we're constantly trying to adapt to an ever-changing world as a downtown historic church. We'll talk about United Methodist Matters as our denomination faces an exciting and uncertain future. We'll explore church leadership in the 21st century. And we'll talk to different faith leaders about their perspectives of religion today, how we can be more authentic, stop alienating people, and how faith is more important than ever to connect us to God and each other. Hey, maybe we'll touch on a topic that speaks to exactly where you are in your faith. We won't know until we try, right? Let's do it. Welcome to the Faith Revisited podcast. We are coming at you this week with a 2.0 of last week's episode. Um, We are still in the midst of COVID-19 coronavirus and um, a lot's happened in a week that we kind of wanted to come back on and touch base again and let you know how we're shifting and adapting and learning even more than we did last week. So um, as of now, uh, as of today, Chatham County, Savannah, where Ben and I both live, um, we are officially at a stay-at-home order from the city and county and maybe even the state government. So um, this really shifts again, um, how we're adapting to everyday life and, and also how churches need to be adapting because we also just learned that we will not be having an Easter service in person. So, Yeah, it, it, it ended up, the email was a little vague. It, it kind of set us up to not have one. I went back and read it and it said, you the need bishop to sent out an email. Yeah, right? our bishop sent out an email to say, you know, you need to go ahead and prepare alternative plans, but we're definitely not having Palm Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I just think this is kind of a half step toward, hey, we're, we're not going to have Easter also. Um, it, it's, it's troubling because there's so many mixed messages. And, and, you know, Molly, if there's anything that I'm learning through this, it, it is the importance of leadership at so many different levels because we have seen leadership fail at mm-hmm. a number of, um, of levels. It's like yeah. nobody wants to, <clears throat> nobody wants to make the tough decision, you know? Yeah. And, and so it, it filters from the top levels, you know, with the president and then down to the governors and then it just goes, it trickles on down to the most local people are having to make pretty monumental decisions about the next month of their lives. Yeah. And, you know, and I guess they're capable of doing it, but the reality is we look to leaders to kind of help guide us on that. And nobody seems to want to, you know, take the ball and run with it. Yeah. We feel kind of like still in the dark of things, like what's actually happening, what, you know, no one's kind of taking onus. And I think that is important of something we're just, we're not getting, and they may not even know, but maybe it'd be more comforting. (laughs) And I guess not really logical if they were like, listen, we, this is how we anticipate it to go, but you know, yeah. Yeah. And we could probably, you know, just bellyache the entire time. I mean, yeah. <laughs> about how all of this happens, you know, the, the president's afraid of an economy that's, that's potentially going to crash. Um, you know, and he's saying just today as we're cutting this, that, you know, we're going to have the economy back by Easter. Um, the governor has a press conference and basically doesn't 
take the move to do the, the stay at home uh, lockdown for the state kind of leaves it up to local officials. Our local uh, mayor here in Savannah went ahead and did the, the uh, stay at home order. Um, you know, in the church world, you've got some bishops who are just going ahead and saying no worship uh, until the end of April. You've got others who are hemming and hawing and I, and not that I, I begrudge them. They're in tough positions, but at some point leaders have to lead. And that's one lesson I think I'm taking out of this is the importance of courageous leadership and, and making those tough decisions when it affects people's lives. What kind of decisions um, and leadership have you had to step into um, over the last few weeks that you didn't really anticipate? Well, I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I don't want to have to make a local decision about Easter. It's it, that and Christmas are the two biggest days of the year. And I would like for somebody above my pay grade to tell us what we, <laughs> what we are and are not allowed to do. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody seems to really want to say no, but the reality around it is our local stay at home order goes through April 8th. Four days later, how are we going to have an Easter Sunday? How are, how's our choir going to rehearse music? How are we going to book mm-hmm. musicians? Like there's this, there, there's just this series of things that if, if we could just make a decision. <clears throat> so it, it looks like I'm going probably in the next week. I mean, we're going to head, go ahead and plan to not have Easter. I'll probably make the official ruling here in the next week if somebody above me does not, but that's one I didn't anticipate making. Um, You know, there've been some decisions that are fun. I mean, it's fun to locally innovate and we've made decisions and internal goals that we wanted groups to not miss meetings. So if you're a Mm -hmm. small group, we wanted you to meet. If you're a committee, we did not want you to miss your meeting that was on the calendar. So I've spent the last, gosh, probably most of the last five days um, working with group leaders and committee chairs and and getting them scheduled and set up for zoom uh, meetings. Um, Don't we all wish we had stock in zoom? I mean, good gracious. That boat. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, getting them all set up on zoom meetings and for a lot of the meetings for the first one, I'm going in and just popping in to join them just to make sure there's no technical difficulties. Um, And then I'm leaving the meeting if it's not one that I've, I need to be at. Um, we had another meeting today. I worked with a group leader whose small group will meet tomorrow. Uh, but I, I worked with him on the platform. I've got our mom's group is going to meet probably on Saturday and I'm going to meet with their leader tomorrow. So, I mean, it's just, those, those are things I, I did not think the month of March was going to be me admin <laughs> spending time on zoom, training everybody on the fly. Um, so how, are all the different generations reacting to that? Are they open arms? Or are they hesitant? Well, you know, it's it's funny because you would assume that that older adults would have a harder time. I mean, other than just some little because they've never touched it yeah. before, it's been pretty smooth. They want to um, get together. They want to get together. And, you know, one thing I'm always reminded of with older adults, we make the mistake of thinking they don't know how to use technology. Mm-hmm. But the reality is many of them have grandchildren and yeah. somebody somewhere has taught them how to use things like FaceTime mm-hmm. and Facebook because they want to keep up and keep connect connection yeah. with family out of town. So mm-hmm. I, it really, the learning curve for us has not been terrible. Now I have friends in uh, other areas that have had a harder time. They, but their church was not, they, their church did not have, 
much of an online life to begin with. So yeah. here, here's one of the great things that, that I'm grateful for, and I never really realized it. We, we have had at Trinity a much more robust life online than I realize because if we didn't, people would not be so quickly to adapt to meeting on Zoom. Or the last two Sundays, can you hear that knocking on wood? Mm-hmm. The last two Sundays, our offerings have actually been pretty much on par with what they normally are. Well, mm-hmm. the big reason for that is people are used to giving online. We talk about it enough. We've had it in place for a while. I'm so grateful they've just shifted their giving to a different method. The mm-hmm. other one is we've had that live stream up for months now. Mm-hmm. So the idea of people worshiping online has not been totally foreign, and we didn't have to invent anything. Yeah you know, on the fly, like, like we talked about last week, we, we have had two pretty good Sundays, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I've looked at uh, some stats on Facebook. Our average worship mm-hmm. attendance this year has been between 130 and 150. Mm-hmm. Um, just on like day of, you can look in the um, stats on the creator studio on Facebook. This is just Facebook <laughs> day of the number of people who have, watched our live stream for at least a minute. That's not just the one scrolling past it. That's mm-hmm. the one actively watching um, has been over 200 Wow! for the worship services. That's just on Facebook. Yeah. And, and that doesn't count our other platforms that we simulcast to. And so, mm-hmm. I, you know, our folks are really plugged into it. Like we get on at 11 and, you know, I mean, you, we, we kind of laughed about it because as soon as you hit the live button, um, <clears throat> we see the numbers just start going right up People yeah. are there and waiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's that's, that's been a real tremendous thing that, that I, so far at least people have adapted to this new way of living pretty well. Yeah. Well, they don't, <laughs> we don't really have a choice, you know, it's, it's either do that or you don't, you miss out on those kinds of things. Like that's just what we're living in and living through right now. So um, it's just amazing that we have the ability to give the opportunity to do that. So, yeah. And I think, you know, one of the, I'll tell you something that was interesting. Last night I did, um, I did, I did a 30 minute teaching time mm-hmm. online and, you know, had 30, 40, 50 people um, on there. And what was neat was I really, really enjoyed that. Like I, yeah. I legitimately had fun doing that. And, and when I finished it, I said to myself, I was like, you know, it's interesting because if all this wasn't happening, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't have taken the time to do an online Bible study. Mm-hmm. Now I think when we get to a different normal, I may, I may actually do online Bible studies. Like yeah. it really was a, a neat thing that this chaos is sort of pushing us into a new world where we have to do some new things. Absolutely. So what, and it's were, people. what were some of the things that you talked about on your live? Well, we talked about last night, we specifically talked about what emotionally healthy spirituality in the midst of crisis looks like. That was our sermon series. This that year. was, that was our sermon series in year. January and February. And we can uh, uh, put Pete Scazzaro's book in the show notes for people who, who want to buy that um, fantastic book. He's got a whole website with it, but we used Romans five, one through five, the whole endurance, you know, produces character and um, character produces hope. But to look at what going through this together 
can can do to us. Mm-hmm. And so Peace Cazero says that there are three phases of biblical grief that that you go through in change. One is you have to be honest about what you're feeling. And so we talk about, you know, the, 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 the feelings of loss we're already having, the feelings of confusion, the feelings of frustration, mm-hmm. um, fear, despair, yeah. you know, these things that kind of set in that, that we want to pretend like everything's okay, but mm-hmm. it's not. Um, so you have to be honest about what you're feeling. Um, secondly, you have to live with each other in what he calls the confusing in-between time. Mm-hmm. If you've ever gone through a major life change, you know that, and it could be a good one or a not good one. Um, It could be a new experience like going off to college, or it could be the loss of a loved one. But there's this in-between period between the old normal, that's life as you knew it, and and it's before the new normal feels normal, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. There's that weird in-between time that it's like, what's what's gone is gone but what's here doesn't feel normal just yet and and he says we have to live with each other during that confusion confusing time we have to hold one another up we have to care for one another this is our opportunity to we get so busy now we have time to reach out to loved ones you know you've got this whole friendship thing that that is i think time more timely now than than ever you know, mm-hmm. that, that we can send mail. People can mm-hmm. send your cards to friends. They can follow your blog that you need to put in the show notes, by the way, um, <laughs> so that they can see good advice on how to be good friends because we have time to actually cultivate that friendship yeah. in this weird in-between time together. The third phase uh, of biblical grief is that we let the old give birth to the new. And that is, we're not there yet, but we can already start imagining it. That is asking ourselves the question on the other side of this, how will I be different? Yeah. How is this going to change me? Because I, I, we, this is such a big thing. I mean, this, I, I was telling somebody the other day, I'm, I'm 37. Um, how you're 30, you just 30. turned 30. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but in our lifetime, not since nine 11, has something been so big and and the effects of this are going to be different mm-hmm. because nine eleven was this terrible thing, but there was a physical location yep. that you could point to that it happened. This thing where the common enemy is a disease, it's everywhere. Yeah. It it it's among us. It's it's and it's worldwide. Yeah, it's worldwide. It, it it is it is literally breaking down the barriers we put between ourselves and those that are different than us because mm-hmm. this disease has no regard for. Yeah, we can all get infected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so 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 that is going to shift the way we see one another on the other side of this. So how can we let the old give birth to something new? How can we become something different? How can we become more faithful? How can we be better friends? How can we? Mm-hmm. Be more mindful of, like, now you're having to slow down. You're not in the car all the time, running everywhere. Like, how can we actually do the things that really matter in life? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. like this is really kind of trimming down our lives to say, what are the essentials and what's just the crap that gets in the way? Yeah. Oh, I'm so, I follow this author, Emily Lay, and her whole, her business, her company name is Simplified. And she talks about how you don't need all this fluff. Your kids don't have to be in four or five different sports. You know, you don't have to do every single say yes to every volunteer opportunity or 
all this stuff, like her whole mission is just simplifying your life. And I feel like this was the hand we were forced to be given. And now everyone's learning that, you know, there is a different way of life. We got so worked up in all the trying to do everything and be everything. And, um, it doesn't have to be that way. And this is probably a great lesson for the majority of people. I know my social calendar is way wide open and that never happens, you know, but I love the quiet and I love the sitting down and reading a book and being intentional with friends, not just having an obligation because they're around. Um, this could be something really special. Um, if people look at it that way. Well, and, and, and a, a word that I, to church leaders, I have felt this through my prayer life and devotional life in the last two weeks. This could be one of the greatest opportunities to reach people that we've known in a generation that, that people through these circumstances are distanced at a level that is highly uncomfortable. And, and when, when you get isolated, you, you turn inward. And when you turn inward, you really see what you're lacking in life. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a spiritual hunger that's going to come out of this. I think there's going to be a hunger for community, mm-hmm. for meaningful relationships, for connection that's going to come out of this. And, and, and I'm biased because I've given my life to it. But I'm convinced the institution that can best serve those needs is, is the church. Mm-hmm. And church leaders need to, you know, now that we're up and running online and some of us are still adapting all of that, that's good. That's great. Now we need to be looking outward. We need to be online. We need to be talking about things like grief. We need to be worried about local business leaders. We need to be for our communities. Um, I was with our missions team today, and that was one of the things we said at the end. I said, you know, we've got contingency planning for finances. I mean, there's a number of things that's going to, Mm-hmm. Likely come, we need to be ready for. But that said, I said to them, I refuse to let us become a church that becomes that inwardly focused. Mm-hmm. We have to balance it with a vision outward for the community. What because is it? Live and love like Jesus? That's right. That's right. Our, our, our vision for ministry is that we help people live and love like Jesus. Yeah. And, and Trinity's been here since 1848. I mean, we've seen a number of national catastrophes, yes. wars and even fires, plagues, other Savannah plagues. Yeah, yeah, but 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 through all of that, we have been very integral to the life of our community, and mm-hmm. we need to we need to do that again in this new way. Um, another topic that I think pastors need to reacquaint themselves with is grief and a theology of grief, and mm-hmm. it's not just grief about human loss. You know, people will pass away from this flu. I mean, we know that already, but, but I'm not talking about just that grief. I'm talking about the grief that comes when change happens, mm-hmm. loss of routine, loss of potentially jobs, loss of lifestyles. You know, there's a whole, you know, plethora of loss that can happen. And I'm reading a wonderful book that we'll put in the show notes. Um, David Kessler's book, Finding Meaning. David Kessler, um, was a protege of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who who wrote the paramount book on death and dying. Um, and, and Kessler became her protege. They wrote another book together. Um, but you, you, you familiar with the five stages of grief? Yes. D- these are the two psychologists okay. who, who created mm-hmm. that, that thinking, that there are five stages of grief. However, the book Finding Meaning is so wonderful because Kessler says they never meant for acceptance to be the final step. 
Hmm. Acceptance is just owning that this is reality now, but that is such a, that this, that it's so defeating. Mm-hmm. So Kessler says there's a sixth step that they never put in there that they should have. And that's called after acceptance, we find meaning. Mm. This, I mean, this is like the Viktor Frankl man in search of meaning kind of stuff yeah. that, that, that's so tremendous. This is like the woman who invented um, mad, you know, mothers against drunk driving. Mm-hmm. She did that because her daughter was killed by a repeat drunk driver. Mm-hmm. So her meaning that she found out of, this tragedy was a, was a new sense of purpose. Now the truth is meaning does not get rid of the grief, but meaning can transform it into something new. And so Kessler is a tremendous book that I'm reading. And, and, and Kessler says that grief happens to all of us. It's not a test. It's not, you know, a blessing. It's not all this stuff we contrive it into. Grief happens. It just, it's part of the human condition, but meaning he said it's something that we, we all make for ourselves. Now, I would, I would put some theology behind that and say meaning is something that comes with the help of God mm-hmm. in our individual lives and with the support of community. So pastors need to reacquaint themselves with a good theology of grief because we are going to be helping people live into new ways of living on the other side of this, that, that we need to take their grief and um, be honest and, and even point to the holiness of, of loss and new life. I love it. That's so great. Wow. Well, this is kind of an update at 2.0 on um, how we're adapting and shifting and um, how life is changing in the church and for us um, in that we're in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic. Um, our website for our church is trinity1848.org. Um, our live stream goes every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Um, I hope you join us online um, or come check it out on our social media feed, Facebook or on YouTube. Um, We're doing some, I'm really proud of it. We're doing some really great stuff. um, And I'm, because Ben doesn't toot his own horn, Ben is being a phenomenal leader to Trinity Church and um, a member of Savannah that so many people look up to. So Ben, we thank you for all you're doing and helping us navigate this time. And uh, thank you listeners for everything, for being here and listening to us. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you, Molly. And thank you listeners. Uh, Probably now more than, more than ever, you know, it's not just a a token. Thank you for listening, but, but we feel a sense of connection even in, in our distance from one another now. And so thank you for listening to this podcast, for utilizing our show notes, for trafficking our social media, um, but most of all, for, for being willing to engage with us as we search for meaning and, and deepening our own faith. So thank you. Have a great day. Until next time.